0: The following podcast is presented by Pendant Services Incorporated, a company that provides contracted for administrative and back office support services to healthcare and senior living clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References in this podcast to the company and its activities, as well as terms such as we, us, it's our, or similar terms are not meant to imply that Pennant Services Incorporated or the Pennant Group Incorporated has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated healthcare and senior living entities. Welcome to Believe Behave, Become, a Pennant Group Podcast. This podcast is the place where you'll hear discussions about tried and true leadership concepts, best practices to optimize your operation, how to create that healthy culture, and so much more. The Believe, Behave, Become podcast is a tool. It's a tool for you to use on your journey towards becoming the best leader that you can. I am your host, Rich Lewis. Thank you for choosing to invest in yourself by spending time with us
1: today. So, so my takeaways, I think, align a lot with what Brian shared. I actually had um, copied out of the book, uh, The Speed of Trust, the quote that Brian shared about what he felt as a seven-year-old, I think this is very interesting because he says, I was too young to care about money or status. Those Mm. things motivate me. What motivated me was my father's trust. I didn't want to let him down. I wanted to show him that I was capable and responsible. So so what I took away from this is um, the idea behind Green and Clean is providing an opportunity for me or for our leaders to provide an opportunity of ownership with trust um, in, in the the video, you, you learn a little bit about the idea of giving them the opportunity to retain ownership of a goal or, or um, an initiative. Yeah. But us as a leader, we cannot take the ownership aspect from them. We cannot tell them how to do their method. We can't give them guidelines to, or parameters to, to live by to achieve the goal. Or essentially, we pull from them the opportunity to be owners of the result. Hmm. And I think the, the quote that he shared was this, you cannot hold people responsible for the results if you supervise their method. And I think this mm. is crucial as a leader. I think we want, we want to make sure that everything goes right and we want to make sure that we can control everything that we can control as a leader, but I think that's ineffective leadership. And I think providing mm-hmm. an atmosphere and an opportunity for someone to truly, through their own methods, achieve the result is what Green and Clean stands for. It's a platform for them to be successful where we support them as needed but we don't interfere with their method. I hope that makes sense. That was one of the biggest yeah. takeaways that I had.
0: Yeah, that was a takeaway for me as well. Um, it, it was the green and clean concept is sort of the antithesis of command and control, uh, which is possibly the most popular form of leadership. I'm using air quotes. Um, you know, the, I was certainly introduced to uh, as a young leader and have had to evolve out of, you know, that mindset in many ways. Um, I'd love to talk more about that because our model is inherently rooted in trust. This isn't a new concept to our organization per se. Um, And and what I've seen is that we're really not good at command and control. So how does how does trust support our model um, when we're so decentralized as a pennant group, when we're so locally driven? How does trust play into that?
2: I, I can jump in on that, Richard. I think um, when I talk to new leaders or prospective leaders or just about our model in general, I always think about this because in many cases, we're we're handing over multi-million dollar assets mm-hmm. or or at least opportunities to leaders and we're trusting them to to you know do something with it and not just be caretakers of it but to actually grow it and and build you know an amazing business um and we we don't have the structure And by design, we don't have the structure to be a command and control. We don't have all these, these mechanisms of, of tremendous oversight and people that are going to tell you exactly what to do. Uh, what we have are cluster partners and shared ownership across those cluster partners and, and other partners throughout the organization. We have a, a deep. Um, wealth of knowledge and expertise, and service center partners and resources, and and you bring those things together. And the only way it works is with trust, because mm-hmm. we're not we're not in the the details necessarily of how you run your business. Um, but I and and again by design, right? We believe healthcare, yeah. whether it's it's senior living or or home health, hospice, home care, whatever it is that that's the way it should be. It should be sure. you as the local leader that's kind of engaged in your community and understanding the needs of your community to make those decisions. But we have to balance that with, you know, expectations and standards and, you know, some systems and support. But I think it's mostly about helping people understand what they're gonna be held accountable to. And then as, as Clint kind of pointed out, Letting them figure out their own method to get there, yeah. Um, so that's kind of my
1: take on it. You know, I would agree. I, I believe that providing a freedom, freedom within a framework, ena- enables us to be local. Um, yeah. When, when you, I love that that you use the word local because I think that is part of the recipe for success within our organization is the fact that the decisions are made locally. That they. That we provide a level of trust with accountability to the result, but those decisions need to be made at a level in which the the local community can see the impact that it's that it's that it has. The other reason why I think this is important is um, in the concept that we're talking about in green and clean. He talks a little bit about the difference between being efficient versus effective, mm-hmm. and an efficient leader uh, or an efficient organization is going to command control. They're going to want everything done a certain way because they can control the timeliness of every decision and they feel like they can control the timeliness of every outcome. Yeah. Uh, what he teaches us with Green and Clean is is effectiveness is providing ownership, trust, and accountability at the level, not supervising their methods, but enabling them to not be perfect in the beginning, but but to create a sustained result. And I think we see this in our organization where someone comes in that's new We provide the right tools. We provide the right trust. We know there's a level of accountability, and I think it's a win-win that they understand what's at stake, but we don't supervise their methods. And I think oftentimes we actually achieve a better result because of that than having someone from a a corporate office direct and tell us what to do at the local level. And that's what's impactful to me when I think about the success that we've had in certain areas. It's because of the creative minds of those that are local and unique to the market That make those decisions supported by us
2: yeah clint i i love that i think it's so critical to this this principle as as we think about ourselves as a leadership company Mm -hmm. and um you know stephen covey says he you know in in this original story that he tells there's there's some failure right there's some okay my seven-year-old didn't do anything He said he was gonna <laughs> clean the yard. He didn't clean the yard. He said he was He's gonna water it. He on the didn't street water it. yeah um, and and so you have like this response of oh, I'm gonna jump in and I'm gonna put everything aside that I said, and I'm just gonna tell people what to do and like get it done because that's way more efficient. but he 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 says this quote and it's kind of you know makes you laugh, <laughs> but he reminds himself, okay, I'm raising boys, not grass, yeah. <laughs> Right,
0: right. And we're leading teams.
2: Yeah, and I think that's just, it's so true for us too that we are we're trying to grow leaders, not just grow businesses. Because there's mm-hmm. a lot of different ways you could you could grow a business or or build a business. Um, but our our focus and emphasis is we want to create amazing leaders, and and so whether it's as cluster partners trying to help a partner in their own development or or be that partner that is being helped, or it's in your own operation where you're building a leadership team. I, I think this green and clean concept is so so vital to, to help us really execute on what we're trying to do, which is create great leaders.
1: So I've got a personal example of this I think is relevant. Okay. Um, Quite a few years ago, as a young healthcare administrator, I was trying to find my way. You know, I was a rookie. I was probably making rookie mistakes. (laughs) And I remember my boss at the time, I loved him and I never wanted to disappoint him. And when I felt like there was a key decision that I had to make, I would call him and I would say, Hey, what would you do in this situation? Or if I needed to solve a problem, I would say, give me some feedback. And he would say, you come to me with a solution. I want you to work through this before you talk to me. And I used to get frustrated. I'd be Mm -hmm. like, but you know, the answer, tell me the answer. (laughs) And, and it finally dawned on me that if, if he would have given me the answers in those moments, I would have been 100% reliant upon him for solutions. And also I wouldn't have grown as a leader. I wouldn't have been able to learn to think for myself and take, um, educated decisions and put them into action. And he knew I was going to fail and he was okay with that because he knew if I grew as a leader, that I would be effective. I was going for efficiency, right? I was going yeah. for the quick answer. He right. was going for effectiveness, creating a better leader in me. And I think that's exactly what we tried to do at the cluster level and at at the the agency or community level as well. That's the goal.
0: That's that's great. That's such a great example. And um, what comes to my mind right now um, is a principle that I think is, is really important that we constantly focus on long-term results and not and not short-term actions or short-term results so much, um, or finding the balance between the two. And it seems like the efficiency approach, the command and control approach is much more about a short-term outcome, a short-term result. <clears throat> and oftentimes that can lead to um, less than desirable long-term impacts or effects. Yeah, that's great clint you uh brought up the win-win or this idea of you know mutual benefit and you know i know from my readings there's this intrinsic motivator i would love to hear from uh frankly both of you uh and i know our audience would as well what is this win-win what are the core elements of the win-win how, how does the win-win
1: work and why is it important I'll kick it off if you don't mind, Brian. Yeah. So, so to me, the the win win is a fancy way to say that that my goals align with my leader's goal. That there's mutual ownership in whatever we're trying to achieve. That it's not perceived as a delegation from me to them, saying this is what I want you to do. But there's shared vision uh, mm-hmm. around the the objective. Uh, this ties, I think, into servant leadership. With the idea that as we provide an opportunity for a leader to grow or to achieve a result, we want to help them be at their best. But if we supervise their methods, if we stand in their way of making decisions, then we own the project and the employee has to own the project in the win-win or the leader. The second thing is, is, is micromanagement, right? Some people's personality is to want to dominate every step, others are not. But what we learn in this concept is, is once again, if we supervise their methods, then we take ownership from them and they essentially Mm -hmm. become, uh, you know, uh, someone that's running the errand for us, they're, they're not taking on the responsibility to think like an owner in the moment. And then the last thing you talked about was intrinsic motivation. I thought this was really an interesting concept Mm -hmm. because the idea, idea behind intrinsic motivation is what that little seven-year-old felt. The motivation wasn't. A candy bar. The motivation wasn't that he was going to get an allowance. It's because he knew his dad trusted him Mm -hmm. and he felt a sense internally that he needed to succeed. Right? Intrinsic motivation in our world probably is not going to be tied to any reward externally. It's going to be how we feel. It's going to be our motivation to be our best. Mm -hmm. It's going to be our motivation to be competitive and say, I did something that people said I couldn't do. So when I think of a win-win agreement, I think of those three things. I think there's got to be shared alignment and ownership. I think there's got to be a way in which we don't micromanage the objective, but we hold accountable to the steps to get there. And then finally, we ensure that there's some type of internal motivation that moves them farther than just our conversation on a weekly basis in a one-on-one or on a cluster call. Yeah,
2: um, I, I think you nailed it, Clint. Um I have kind of been thinking about this from two different perspectives at both win-win and just green and clean in general. On the one hand, you have the cluster model and this peer to peer engagement. On the other hand, you have, you know, whether you're, you're a clinical leader or, or an ED or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, you have a, a team, right? That local leadership element. And I, you know, I think in either setting. You need it. We we have it. But I've been thinking a lot about the cluster model and it almost requires it. Right. Like nobody has time to really be in the weeds and micromanage what's happening at another person's operation. No. But at the same time, you are accountable for it. Right. And you are, you know, impacted by it as a shared owner and so i think it's it's really really relevant to the cluster model um that you you can't fully you know withdraw and just focus on your own agency that's the opposite of what what we're going for but you also don't want to be so like domineering that that the local leader sees you as well i just do whatever the cluster tells me to do Mm -hmm. and because again like to go back to to covey's original point then you can't hold them accountable because you're the one leading it. They're not leading it. Um, so I, I think that win-win concept in terms of shared vision, creating alignment, and then following through on accountability is really, really critical in the cluster model. And sometimes we, we forget about it. All right. We, we either are too hands off or we're a little overbearing, um, But I I think the other thing that you said that resonated with me, Clint, is about the motivation and, you know, we, we need partners that are, are intrinsically motivated, right? Like they're, they're self-motivated. If, if we are feeling like we have to motivate our partners or we have to motivate even, you know, a leadership team, for example, um, We're probably in trouble. We probably don't have the right people. There may be some circumstances where, yeah, they just, you got to help them work through some things and, and, and clear the path a little bit for them to, to see, oh yeah, I am motivated, but that's not what this is about. We, we extend the trust and that trust in itself should be enough for people to be driven and to, to go after it. But then we're going to come alongside them, right? When, when things aren't going well to say. Okay, I've noticed some brown spots on on your yard,
0: and yeah. let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So the so the first time you know, you, as a cluster member, you arrive at a cluster partners agency or senior living operation, and you walk in and everything's in disarray. Uh, from a green and clean perspective, you've got brown patches on the lawn. You've got trash over here you you've got weeds that need to be edged out it just looks awful what is the acceptable and appropriate response to that within this green and clean construct
2: i i guess i can i could take uh the first uh stab at it richard i think a lot of it is around creating clarity um you know as i mentioned there's a little bit of a risk you don't you don't want to create a robot in a cluster partner that's just going to do what you say right um you you don't want too much dependency there but you also don't want to let them fail so i i i think it's appropriate to you know not to take the analogy too far but to walk walk the the lawn with them and and help them pick up a little bit of trash here and there so that they really understand okay, this is what it's supposed to look like.
0: Yeah,
2: And, and when they understand that, then it's not so much, uh, you know, you gotta do all the heavy lifting, but you've gotta help, you have to trust, but verify is, is kind of another way that we've expressed this yeah. concept in the past. You've gotta come back around and say, okay, we talked about this, You you had this clear goal or clear plan in mind, I'm gonna follow up on it. I'm gonna hold you accountable. If you get stuck i'm going to be somebody that's going to step in and and not like pull you out by myself but i'm going to be there to talk talk through it and be a sounding board and give you my perspective and ideas um so i i think that you have to strike a balance between again making sure that you're not undercutting their leadership because that's the goal right we want mm-hmm. we want our partners to be effective leaders But sometimes i think we're a little too hands off because we're worried about this we you know we really respect our model and and you know revere this idea of local leadership um but there's still shared ownership that kind of balances it out and and as an owner that doesn't mean i'm just gonna you know throw stones at you from 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 afar and 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 beat you up i want to help you
1: yeah I, th- I think that's exactly where my mind went. Uh, you know, it's almost like the 50, 50 concept. I think w- that was Brent or someone's right. As a cluster partner, it's a two way street, right? You, you have to meet in the middle and there, and, and, and it's a give and a take where I think at times you're going to expect more from them. And then there's going to be times where you're going to verify more than you normally would. And so I think it's a give and a take. I, I think Brian, you're spot on though, looking at, um, times where we've seen, um, failed operations or clusters, typically there wasn't clarity and there probably wasn't trust. Right. And so because of those two things not existing, um, there wasn't the ability for the cluster to come together in a 50, 50 idea and divide and conquer where a young leader or a failing leader needed help or, uh, a strong leader. I think at times sometimes doesn't get enough attention in a healthy, uh, Cluster because they're doing well, and sometimes that's unfair, right? You could go the mm-hmm. other direction as well. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I think, um, you know, really important point here, um, Brian. You pointed out that as a in a cluster construct, it, the cluster partner is coming along as the resource, as the support. You know, and in the Covey video, it was the dad. The dad was the guy that said, "Hey, if I've got time, I'm here to help you." If I don't have time, they're still green and clean. You know, that's still the expectation, but I am here to support you. And I think that that in and of itself, when you show up in that way, that just solidifies this idea of trust and it solidifies this idea that I have to be accountable for these results. My partner is doing all he or she can to support me, but I've got to do my part here. And I just, think, I just think that there's a lot of power in showing up for your partner in that way. It drives home all of those messages. So part of uh, green and clean is establishing standards. And you know our pennant affiliated operations and the, the leaders leading them, they demand a lot from each other. Uh, and the overall expectation is that excellence is gonna be achieved. Uh, across the board, clinical, financial, cultural, the impact on the community. There's going to be excellence in, in those quadrants. Um, my question is this, with so many methods of leadership to choose from, why is the green and clean method the one that's emerged as our preeminent leadership tool, even if we didn't know it before the
1: conference in the summer? So I can take a stab at this. I'll, I'll, I'll go first here. Go for it. So you're saying why? So so I think I think we used we've used words in the past that are very similar. Freedom within a framework is the first thing that comes to my mind. I love that right? phrase. And, and so what I what I what I visualize in my mind's eye when you say that is we provide an opportunity for uh, a cluster or an agency or a community to to work independently with parameters. And and you brought up you brought up measurability or data. I think when I think about moving the needle where there's not measurability, change cannot happen. Right. And so Mm -hmm. by providing a freedom within a framework, but then measurability to to coincide with it, I think it provides the opportunity to gauge yourself over a time. uh, It could be prior years against a cluster or against other agencies or communities as well. Um, Green and clean in our, in our organization could be viewed across multiple agencies. It, It could be a, you know, viewed across multiple States. And that's what I love is if you're looking for someone to compare yourself to in our organization, you're going to find it. Mm -hmm. And as you find it, you're going to find solutions that, that they probably used that you can now tailor to your business, right? You may not mow the lawn the same way. You may use a different treatment on your lawn than they did, but you're still striving for the same result.
2: You know, Clint, I love that. Um, where, where my mind goes, to your question, Richard, though, is I think about our roots, yeah. and um, as the Pennant Group, they obviously run very deep to Enzyme. yep. And um, you know they they've been operating for twenty plus years, and and have you know a model that that we've embraced and will continue to embrace, and and you know everything we're doing is to try and be like them. And I, I think about this concept of green and clean and sort of setting standards. And I can't help but think about the early days of Enzyme. I wasn't there, um, but I have had, you know, the opportunity on occasion to hear some some people that were there talk about it, and, you know, Christopher and Roy Christensen, for example, yeah. and their whole vision or reason or motivation behind starting the Enzyme group was largely in part because they wanted to change the industry, that's right? right? They they wanted to dignify long term care in the eyes of the world, yeah. And by all accounts, they have they have set the standard of what it means to be the best in in their particular um, segment of healthcare, and that's where the name Enzyme comes from, right? Flag yeah. bearer standard yeah. bearer, that's why we're called the pennant group is is to to hearken to that same vision of in the pennant group, we want to set the standard. We want to be the very best. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it all it all flows together. And that and that's why I think this green and clean concept resonates so much with us is because we do want to be the best. We do want to set the standard. And so you can't do you can't get there you can't become, you know, the the standard setter without continually reevaluating and measuring your performance and saying, yeah, we're here, but we could really be here. And and I think that's where this concept hits home is because I think when we do that, because we have this high trust model, our leaders achieve things that we never thought necessarily were even possible in some Mm -hmm. in some instances and the standard is raised Mm -hmm. and will continue to be raised you know year after year after
0: year yeah i know that um as i've heard you know and had this opportunity to hear christopher and roy talk about the early days and and the underlying impetus behind creating this new model uh and i'm sure that there was a lot of naysayers I was really inspired by their resolve, and I was really inspired by their vision. And as I think about how it's played out, going back to something that was said earlier, this concept of uh, growing leaders versus growing companies, you know, Roy and Christopher, they took the long-term road. They probably could have gotten better results faster if they had taken more of a command and control style. But the reality is they built an organization um, that operated very much off of a flywheel concept. It may have started out a little slower because there was so much um, trust extended, which required a little bit of, of feeling out of how to get to a certain destination and figuring that out and going through that process. But they ultimately developed so many more people along the way and now the flywheel is churning so much faster than their competitive set. And I just think there is a lot of genius in that long-term vision that started the Ensign Group and has carried over into the Pennant Group model.
1: I love that you've brought this up, Brian, the idea of heritage. Um, And and I hope it's okay that I say his name, but, you know, I've been able to spend a lot of time with Laird over the last four or five months as we've worked through projects and everything else. And when we've looked at our growing pains, he'll say, ah, that was Enzyme in 2012. (laughs) That was Enzyme here. And I think to me what he said or what he's saying is these same growing pains happened in their heritage. And as we are creating ours, these aren't unique. And we're going to find our way through and we're going to succeed just like they did. And I loved it, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so helpful having that historical perspective, right? To help keep you on the rails <laughs> because it's so easy to come off of them. Brian, going back to your Greening Clean initiative that you developed on the heels of that annual meeting, um, what went well? With that initiative and how it was implemented and how you drove it forward, talk to me about some of the victories, and then share what maybe didn't go so well.
2: Yeah, I I think it was. Um, there were a lot of things that went well. There's a lot of things that I would do differently, certainly uh, in 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 a lot of ways. And um, I think it's helpful to to do the autopsy right after we we try and make a push and and see, okay. What did we learn from this um i think what went well is i think it was pretty it was pretty apparent that we had a a lack of clarity and i think we resolved that i think people understood okay there's some expectations here that i have to achieve as an operator or or at a minimum i have to lay out a path of how am i going to get to this level um and you know i think for some people it was a little overwhelming like well wait a minute i, I can't i can't reach this level of margin for example because that was really the the initial focus was mm. improving margin margins different. but when you start to look around you're like well wait a minute but this agency over here is doing it and this agency's over over here is doing it so so two things i think happen: one clear expectations and two this this sort of like cross pollination or collaboration around how different people are operating to try and figure out, okay, is this going to work in my, in my market at my agency? And it's one of the the great benefits that we have is we have all these like incubators of yeah. individual operations, trying different things, doing different things. And that's where best practices really come from is from, you know, an individual operator figuring something out and, and somebody else saying, Yeah, I think that might work in my market. So Mm -hmm. I think that was a huge benefit of it is just resetting the standard, um, creating that clarity and reminding people that when, when you're kind of below the mark, there's people to look to that can help you get there. You don't have to do it your own, your own way all the time, right? You don't always have to recreate the wheel. Um, I think some of the, the things that maybe went wrong, uh, is, um, whenever you push as a resource, it, it feels a little weird because mm-hmm. we're not, you know, we just talked about it. We're not this hierarchical organization. We're cluster right. driven, we're locally driven. And I think, um, some people may be misunderstood, two things. One, that this was just a financial thing and green and clean is not just financial. No, that's not what the concept is. It, it's, it's about how we extend trust, but do so with accountability. Yeah. Um, so I think I could have emphasized that a little bit more. I think I also could have emphasized, or we, you know, it wasn't just me, but we, we could have emphasized, these are not my standards. These are not, Brent's standards. These are not Danny's standards. Yeah. These are our standards and they've been in place for a long time. <laughs> and I think some people maybe for whatever reason, like I said, I think it's a good thing because now they understand it, but for whatever reason in the moment, it, it may have felt like, oh, these are new. These are new standards being, being pushed upon us by, by, you know, leaders outside of the cluster or outside of the market or whatever. And that's not really the case. It was, it was not new standards. It was a revitalization of existing standards. Um, and I think part of that goes back to this, this, uh, idea of not supervising the method so they can be accountable to the result. Hmm. Um, when you get into sort of the nitty gritty of specific metrics sometimes it can feel like well i got to do it this way when when the reality is there is a lot of freedom there's a lot of freedom to be creative and we want you to be creative you know obviously within the parameters of of being compliant and and being lawful but there there's a lot of freedom to figure out okay let me try this a little different way and maybe when it comes to margins, I'm going to be a little heavier on this side, but I'm going to be a little leaner here and I'm going to mm-hmm. get to that end result that is the standard. And no partner's really going to poke at that. Like, no, that's great. You figured it out.
0: Cross the finish line. Um,
2: Good job. So I think that we could emphasize that a little bit more, but I, I will just make the comment. Sometimes people, they confuse freedom with autonomy. You're not autonomous. No. You have that freedom within the framework. But if you're not hitting the standard, this is not just your business. It's our business. So I'm, I'm, I have a responsibility as your partner to, to identify, okay, you're not hitting the standard. What are we going to do about it? How do we figure this out together? Uh, what's your plan? Um, so anyway, I, I, but I think there was a little bit of a lesson learned there to, to just make sure people understand you have the freedom to, to do it your own way, to get to the result the way you want, but you've got to get to the result. Mm -hmm. And, and until you do, nobody's going to let up on, and that's a good thing, right? That's, that's how we become the best. And I'll just say the, the last thing, uh, in terms of maybe a risk or, or where things could go wrong is whenever, whenever you're trying to push something from the top, quote unquote, the top, right. In 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 a a role in where a you're reporting, structure many many agencies. If you're not careful, it it can erode the very thing that we're talking about, right? <laughs> and it can it can go from green and clean to command and control, super quickly. Yeah. And so I think if I were to do it again, the the push was needed. the The principle needed to be taught, but I think it could have been executed by the clusters and driven by the clusters the way it should have been frankly um, it, rather than this idea of oh this is this is a push from from people outside of the cluster
0: yeah uh, it can almost be imperceptible how easily one can shift from command and control or I'm sorry from green and clean into a command and control mindset you know whether it's market forces upon us, uh, or whatever the headwind is, you know, the pressure of the day. Um, it's just too easy to slip into that command and control mindset. I'm glad you highlighted that. You know, we've talked about green and clean, um, largely from a financial perspective. <clears throat> Does either of you have any examples maybe related to culture or clinical improvement that, that you've seen this type of approach, um, achieve great results.
1: So I, I don't know, we'll see if this is relevant or not, but I'll share, uh, an example of, 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 green and clean. Um, as a young leader, once again, I, I felt like I always wanted to be involved in, in, um, everything that was going on that I felt was important in the building. And sometimes I had a hard time relinquishing control and providing an opportunity for other people to grow other people Mm -hmm. to have the opportunity to own things and feel a sense of accomplishment. And this is going to sound probably pretty dumb, but, but I felt like I had to be a part of some of the the planning committees for our (laughs) celebrations and for, celebrations at at monthly meetings. And, and I realized, actually, I don't think I realized it. I think they came to me and said, Hey, you're a cog in the wheel, get out of the way, right? And, and as I got out of the way and we just talked as a group around parameters, what do we need to accomplish? Okay. Here's what we need to accomplish. Here's our objectives. Go Clint, you're out of the road, right? We had the most amazing celebration. We had better participation in our all staff meetings. And I realized that I was the one that was prohibiting green and clean to happen. I was the one that was stopping the opportunity for other leaders to take hold of something they were passionate about and grow. And I guarantee you that our culture and our turnover and the belief in our product as an employee was way better when I got out of the way. Well said. Well said.
0: Well, Brian and Clint, this has been a great discussion. Uh, Have we left anything out, anything critical? I don't think so. No, I, I just, I guess I would say I
2: hope people um, take from this that that there's two parts of this, right? This is hopefully to help you as you're trying to lead others, but also to understand how your partners are going to interact with you. Mm. And when we get this right, because we're we're seeking to to build trust and and you know operate in such a high trust environment we're, we're pretty unstoppable. And I think you said it before, Richard, when we, when we get this wrong or we're, we're pretty terrible, so I think it's, it's an important concept to understand, yeah. okay, like this, this is really fundamental to how we need to operate. We need to be able to, to set standards, clear the path and then get out of the way and then verify and hold people accountable to, to the result. Um, because that's how our whole model is fundamentally built
0: fantastic wonderful reminder well thank you both um really appreciate the insights that you gave and um we'll talk again soon thank you
1: thank you